Hello, this is Revel, and you are listening to Rockin' Radio. For timeline clarity, this is still December 2008, so don't be confused by events mentioned on this program. My guest for the second time is lifetime athlete and raw t- long-time raw fooder, Dr. Doug Graham. Welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. No, you're very welcome. Uh, one of the reasons I asked Dr. Graham back on the program was because there was a recent discussion about cacao and its merits and non-merits, and the 80-10-10 diet was brought into the discussion with one of the statements being that the 80-10-10 diet was mineral short, meaning not containing enough minerals. Now, you saw the discussion, Dr. Graham? Yes, actually I have. And wh- how would you respond to that? Well, with good humor. (laughs) (laughs) With good humor. uh, In fact, one of the reasons that I developed the 80-10-10 diet was because so many of the other raw food approaches are mineral deficient. And although that isn't my biggest worry, um, certainly we do need to get enough minerals. That said... Getting enough minerals is rarely the problem. Usually the problem when it comes to minerals is losing minerals. For instance, uh, if we look at calcium, what we find is that in the United States and several Norwegian countries, we consume more dairy than anywhere else in the world. And by doing so, consume more calcium than anywhere else in the world. And yet those very places um, in the states known as the Dairy Belt and the Dairy Belt countries of of Norway and Sweden, etc., are the very places where we find the highest rates of calcium loss deficiency conditions, osteopenia, osteoporosis, etc. And so what we have taught for, gosh, before I came on the scene, and certainly what I've taught since becoming a doctor, was that the trick with minerals was retaining the minerals that you consume rather than just trying to get more and more and more. Essentially, if your bucket has a hole in the bottom of it, it doesn't matter how many minerals you pour in, you're never going to fill the bucket. And so the trick is keeping what you get, learning the lifestyle factors that cause you to lose, and then learning the lifestyle and applying the lifestyle factors that foster your body's abilities to hold on to the various nutrients, minerals, and otherwise that you do consume. Because there certainly are a tremendous number of factors that are known as anti-nutrients, and if you, if you participate in or consume those, it really doesn't matter how many nutrients you consume. You're blocking your own uptake. What, what, what are anti-nutrients? Oh, anti-nutrients are literally exactly what they sound like by name. They are factors, not always food factors, but they are factors that function spe- either specifically against certain nutrients or in general against nutrition uh, as a whole or classes of nutrients. And so there are anti-vitamins and anti-minerals, and uh, these are all lumped together in a group called anti-nutrients. Can you give us some examples? 
Well, certainly cigarette smoking. Um, Cigarette smoking depletes your C vitamins dramatically, quickly, uh, at a rate that's, I mean, it's measurable, and I don't remember the exact number, but if I was going to say 25 milligrams per cigarette uh, or something to that effect. And so uh, what many people do, and, and this is where the, where the, the thought process actually comes in, is what many people do is they go, well, I'm destroying my C vitamins by smoking, therefore I'm going to take more C vitamins uh, to make up for it. Well, smoking has so many other effects, and taking vitamin C to make up for smoking um, really won't do, even remotely, do the job. Right. Uh, In the same way, we find that coffee and all of the stimulants uh, drain us of our B vitamins very quickly. And uh, certainly theobromine and some of the other stimulants that are found in cacao have the effect of causing us to blow through our B vitamins uh, and all of the various organs that are related to that are affected. And so we see adrenal function, etc., cetera, uh, thyroid function, and other, other systems within the body, glandular and uh, organic or visceral systems, are affected adversely. Obviously, I'm looking at a picture that says your health can't be stronger than its weakest link. Now, we come back, however, to minerals, and we have to realize that that essentially the two best sources of minerals for people uh, are fruits and vegetables. Since the 80-10-10 diet is designed around the consumption of fruits and vegetables almost exclusively, or certainly predominantly, fruits and vegetables, uh, it's very difficult to imagine any nutrient not being in sufficient supply The interesting concept is, again, that that there are differences in the way people look at nutrition. Most people are trained to think that the highest source equates to the best source, that more is better. We know this isn't true. If you go out and get more sunlight, sunlight being a nutrient that we can understand, if you go out and get more sunlight than you need, it's a problem. Uh, In the same way, if you get less sunlight than you need, It's a problem, and we understand that the amount of sunlight that we actually need isn't too little or too much, not the highest source or the lowest source. We're looking for enough. We're looking for that range that works best for human beings, and and we know this for fact because we know that, for instance, the highest source of carbohydrates, which are a required nutrient, the highest source of carbohydrates is a bag of refined sugar. But that's not the best source. Uh, Invariably, what we find is that the best sources fall in range that reflect human dietary requirements. And so we're not looking for too much or too little. Yet, with minerals, what we find is that fruits, which grow on trees, bring minerals up from the deep soil we're not relying simply on the surface soil. 
or the topsoil, which can be mineral deficient to some degree, depending on the farming techniques used. But the fruits that come off of trees reach deep down into the ground to pull up nutrients, literally creating topsoil. At the same time, the vegetables in the diet, and we should remember that the 80-10-10 diet incorporates the use of a greater quantity of whole, fresh, ripe, raw, organic vegetables than any other raw food program in existence, and always has. We're, we're recommending that somewhere between 3 or 4 percent, uh, 2 to 5, if you want a bigger range, percent of total calories comes from greens in the diet, and then another couple of percentage points coming from vegetables in the diet in the form of whole foods, not juices, but whole foods. And we've recommended these numbers, which in terms of volume is often more than half the total volume of food for the day. But in terms of calories, which is the only true valid way of measuring, because otherwise density gets into the issue, how much water is in your food gets involved in confusing clouds the issue. And so we use it as a a function of calories or a percentage of total calories, uh, numbers that can be understood and applied to everyone. And typically that range of 3% of total calories from vegetables. Of course, vegetables don't actually carry so much more mineral matter, but they carry more minerals per calorie because they don't have as much carbohydrate calories. They don't offer up the same carbohydrate range that fruit does. Because fruits are high in carbohydrates, their minerals per calorie isn't as high as that of vegetables. But, they, but they're still a great source of minerals. I mean, when you think of where do you get your potassium, who doesn't say banana? Banana. You know, I mean, so, <laughs> and so to, to, what I find often is that a tremendous number of things are said about the 80-10-10 diet, and typically I find two things. One, the, the, the author of the statement hasn't read the book. And as of yet, I, I have not met a raw food leader that tells me that they've read the 80-10-10 diet. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but the second thing is that typically what is said is the exact opposite of the truth. Uh, for instance, someone wrote to me yesterday and asked me, asked me about cirrhosis of the liver. They were told that if they, if they follow the 80-10-10 diet, they're going to end up with cirrhosis of the liver. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it turns out that other than, other than alcoholism, the, the primary cause of cirrhosis of the liver is from the overconsumption of fat in the diet that results in a fatty liver and eventually cirrhosis of the liver. And so by limiting fat... Not to too little, and certainly not too much, but putting it back into the range that's recommended by health professionals around the world as ideal for human consumption, 3 to 9% of calories, we find that cirrhosis of the liver would be the last thing that we would ever expect to happen. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, because when I heard the statement that uh, the eighty ten ten diet was mineral short. I'm like, um, okay, fruits and vegetables. Um, where else are we as raw food is going to get our 
get our nutrients, get our get our minerals, if not from fruits and vegetables. I mean, well, I, in I, fact, if you look at most most new supplements, most nutrient supplements and mineral supplements, you'll find that they're made from, from fruits, fruits and vegetables. And vegetables. Yeah, so it's like, okay, that's a weird statement. You know, we, I, we ask the people, I've asked a lot of supplement salesmen, well, why is it made from fruits and vegetables? And they go, well, not only are those the best sources, but we get people to eat it in order to make up for the fact that they don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, we'll be back in a moment with uh, Dr. Graham. And your website is foodandsport.com, correct? Correct. Ten letters. Food, the letter N, sport. Foodandsport.com. Foodandsport.com. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to Rockin' Radio. Please check out my newest site, letstalkraw.com, where you can ask questions of my guests. We've got a full lineup for January already, and as of this airing, Dr. Graham will be our guest on Saturday, February 21st. Hope you'll be joining us. Take time to check out my other websites, revelations.com, where you can sign up for my weekly revelations. When you do, you'll receive my latest e-booklet. Find out about teleclasses or my books, Revolutionize Your Life in 30 Days, a self-empowering playbook, and Smoothies and Smoothies for Life. Also, books I recommend from Amazon and more. Remember to surrender to the blender for optimal health. My guest today, Dr. Graham, Dr. Doug Graham, uh, author of The 80-10-10 Diet, his website, Food and Sport, F-O-O-D-N, the letter N, sport.com. And we um, got to talking about this because somebody was talking about cacao, and uh, uh, one person said they had some negative reactions to it. And since then, a lot of people have said they're having um, negative reactions to cacao. And others are saying it balances them, and they're doing a smoothie a day, a chocolate or cacao smoothie a day. And <clears throat> when this first came up, uh, Dr. Graham and I had a very short email conversation. And one of the things I became aware of is people who do the same thing every single day. They eat the same thing every day. And I said, you know, I don't even think I'd eat blueberries every single day. Well, what's your response to that, Dr. Graham? I find that nature provides us with a wide variety of foods throughout the year, each in their season. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. I don't know if you know the concept called selective hearing or selective memory. Uh, in my family, I was raised uh, to try not to demonstrate those qualities of only hearing what I wanted to hear or only seeing what I wanted to see, only remembering what I wanted to remember. A lot of times people point to the word natural, and they go, well, it isn't natural to cook. Animals don't cook. Well, animals don't eat the same thing day in and day out unless that is specifically what they are designed for. I mean, certainly a cow will eat grass every day of the year if it has the option. Uh, the grazing animals have four stomachs or multiple stomachs uh, in order to enable them to do exactly that. Uh, we are we are not that way. We we only have one stomach, and and um, and we are designed to consume a variety of foods in order to meet our nutritional needs. Now it doesn't have to be huge. You don't have to eat six thousand different fruits and three thousand different vegetables every year in order to make sure you've covered your bases. A variety might be ten or twenty different foods, but that would be it would be restrictive. Uh, there's no reason to restrict it down. I find that 
when it's persimmon season, I'm thrilled to be eating persimmon. Mm -hmm. And when it's fig season, I'm just as happy to be eating figs. When watermelon come in, bless the darn things, you know, let's eat all the melon you can get. <laughs> and, and throughout the year, different foods are constantly coming in, different vegetables, different fruits, constantly coming and going into and out of season. I, I've kept track. In the average year, I eat about 200 different fruits, about 50 different vegetables, and I'm not trying. It's just what comes up in the grocery store, to be quite honest. I don't have to go out of my way in order to come up with a wide variety. Uh, heck, I mean, there's, there's an easy a dozen different kinds of grapes in the course of the year that you'll find at different, you know, at different times. And so I, I'm in favor of eating variety, and as much as possible with the seasons rather than forcing the issue and, and trying to eat persimmon in June when there just aren't any um, seems counterintuitive to me. But when they're dripping off the trees, I'm going to grab those peaches or I'm going to grab those, those pluots or whatever it is that happens to be falling at the time. And, and, and when blackberries are in season or raspberries are in season or strawberries are in season... I'm picking right out of my garden as many as I possibly can every single day. Uh, I have met people, both in and out of the raw world, who, who make a point to eat six pumpkin seeds every day in order to get their zinc, and then they eat one walnut every day <laughs> in order to get this. And, and I, I, I don't see the joy in that at all. And, and I think they've missed the point. They're back to trying to eat the highest source of this and the highest source of that, thinking that it will provide better nutrition when we know, in fact, that the highest source of protein is just protein powder in a can. The highest source of oil or, or of those essential fatty acids is oil in a bottle. But oil in a bottle provides us with no vitamins, no minerals, no fiber, no water. It's, it's got goose eggs in a dramatic number of categories, and literally, by anyone's definition of empty calories, oil counts as empty calories, meaning that who the heck cares if it's the highest source of essential fatty acids? It's empty calories. Uh, at that point, you'd have to make up for it with the rest of your diet, and that wouldn't make any sense. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm looking for the foods whose nutrient content most closely mimic human nutritional needs because those foods not only are the most nutritious for us, but they also digest the best, meaning we get the most from them. Okay. <clears throat> Last question here on cacao. It was stated that cacao has cured cavities and that raw food is so short on magnesium, which cacao supposedly supplies. I say supposedly. <laughs> that's, that's my word. So how are what, – what is the issue with teeth? There's a lot of people, quite a few people, who say they have had teeth issues. I think we may have discussed this on our last um, – Let's let's talk about it again for those who haven't listened to our discussion before. Well, I'd, I'd like to start with the concept that the cacao cures anything. I don't think I don't think it's possible for any fruit or any vegetable, and certainly not the the roasted or heated seed of some fruit to cure a human being. My understanding of of health and nutrition is that the body is 
self-controlling, self-healing, self-monitoring, self-repairing, self-regulating in every single way, and has been since the sperm and the egg united, and the, that trick of math happened where one plus one equaled one. And then the eggs, and then that cell split into two, four, eight, and all the way up into the trillions, becoming you. And no cacao was necessary to heal us or cause us to develop teeth or any other part of our body. I, I don't think that cacao can heal. I think the body does all the healing. So it's important to understand that a lot of people look at nutrition, a lot of people look at health in ways that aren't really valid. And it's reflected in our use of the language. And sometimes people say, Doug, you're just playing with words. And I go, no, I'm really not. I'm, I'm just actually being accurate with my word choices. Mm -hmm. Cacao doesn't heal anything. As far as people having teeth issues, I grew up on a standard American diet. And everybody that I met in the dentist's office when I was a kid was on the standard American diet. And the dentist's offices were filled. And apparently they still are filled even though more than half the people in the country don't go to a dentist on any kind of a regular basis. That said, we do see people having issues with their teeth on the raw food diet as well as the cooked food diet. And that doesn't make me think that the raw food diet is suspect. However, I do notice that a lot of people go on a raw food diet and, again, using their selective impressions... They go, oh, you know, no other animal takes care of its teeth. I don't have to take care of mine either. Well, in fact, no other animal spent the first 10, 20, 30, 40 or more years eating a cooked food diet that was arguably the worst on the planet in terms of health and nutrition. Uh, and we have compromised our teeth. When you start out with compromised teeth, compromised gums, compromised oral hygiene, compromised oral health, uh, to eventually develop teeth problems is really not a surprise as far as I'm concerned. I'm in favor of people taking good care of their mouth, which means cleaning their teeth pretty much after they eat on a, on a, on a regular basis, at least a daily basis, if not an each-time-they-eat basis, to cleaning the space between the tooth and the gum to get the matter out from between there, what we'll find on the raw food diet is that most people having problems with their teeth have problems at the gum line because they're simply not cleaning at the gum line. And there is the difference between eating cooked food and raw food is that raw food is not inert. It's full of biologically active ingredients and bacteria love to consume it. Well, when you get a massive growth of bacteria after a meal eating the food it also affects your teeth adversely it's a good idea to clean your mouth i don't think you have to go crazy a brush in water will more than do the job and you don't have to brush much but it is worth cleaning your mouth it is worth rinsing your mouth or brushing gently um, and and that all said we do see people still having issues now i've I've had the good fortune of meeting a tremendous number of people in the raw movement and a tremendous number of the leaders in the raw movement and organizing events where I have them come to speak. And over the years, I've been somewhat surprised, not so much anymore, but somewhat surprised to find that 
most of the people leading the raw movement do not follow a 100% raw diet. I don't care. It's not wrong. It's not good or bad. But the impression they give is that they do. But when you actually talk to them, you find out that they don't. And, and some say it from the stage that they don't, and some don't say it from the stage. As I say, it's not a, it's, I'm not judging it in any way. But if you're on a diet that, of cooked food and raw food, it's pretty hard to blame the raw food for the health problems you're having when you're on a raw food diet for the health challenges that it, or for the health benefits that it supplies compared to a cooked food diet. When I go to a raw food event and ask 100 people or 500 people at that event in the audience, how many of you eat a 100% raw food diet? I usually only find 1 or 2% of the audience is eating a 100, a 100% raw food diet. And yet they're blaming the raw food for their various issues when they went to raw food to make up for the health issues that were caused by the cooked food that they used to eat. You mean or the mineral-deficient food that they eat? Whatever, yes, the mineral-deficient <laughs> food. And, um, and so I find, I find the whole rationale um, doesn't really make sense. We, we do have a pretty good understanding of what causes tooth decay, and that is things sticking to your teeth. Well, what sticks to your teeth is dried food. And cooked food certainly has been dried to some degree. Dehydrated food has been dried to a great degree. Uh, so all nuts and seeds have been dried before people get them, unless they're eating them straight off the tree. They have been dehydrated, or they'll go moldy within a few days. And uh, I find the whole, the whole issue not really based in a lot of good science. If you take good care of your teeth, you'll tend to find that they'll last for a lifetime and more. Okay. On that one, we'll be back in a moment. Don't go away. Hi. Welcome back to Rockin' Radio. To find all my podcasts, including this one, you can go to revel.com. That's two V's as in victory and two L's. Uh, we're working on another site, which is going to be really fun. Uh, let's talk raw.com where Dr. Graham and quite a few other people, uh, we've already got January full of people to interview or who will be answering your questions, not mine. And this is also sponsored by photobooth.losangeles.com, the premier photo booth rental company in Southern California. If you know of or are holding an upcoming event, please consider having Photo Booth Los Angeles as part of the festivities. They're available for weddings, graduations, corporate events, reunions, anniversaries, and more. Uh, my guest today, Dr. Graham, Dr. Doug Graham, and his website, Food and Sport, uh, Food, F-O-D, we know that one, and the little letter, N, sport.com. Uh, we're talking about <clears throat> cavities and um, teeth, and one of the questions somebody did uh, ask people from Twitter if they had any questions, one of the questions came in that your daughter, you do have a daughter. Yes, I do have a daughter. <laughs> yes. And is she 100% raw, and how are her teeth? My daughter is 100% raw, yes, um, by her own choice at this point. How old is she? She's coming up to four. Wow. I, I remember when she was born, it seems like a year ago. Yeah, it does to me too, but she's coming up to four. She hasn't expressed any interest in other people's food, and she has role models of Rosie and I, you know, who eat all raw. Um, Faye had a couple of teeth that were 
crumbly when they were when she was how to say that again they were crumbly when they came in and we took her to a dentist our dentist <coughs> who said you know some kids some kids baby teeth aren't all super strong and not to worry about it at all they continue to crumble the other teeth are all perfect and we haven't had any issues past that okay well it'll be interesting to see what happens as uh, she gets older and has uh, her adult <laughs> what do they call them? Permanent teeth. Haven't had well, those in sec- so long. Yes, her second set of teeth or her her adult teeth. Uh, co- again, according to our dentist, uh, the strength of, or the 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 hardness of the primary teeth is no indication uh, of what the secondary teeth will be like. Okay. And so you're right. We wait to see. Uh, so far, in every issue, including bone strength, um, certainly, Fecheska has shown us nothing but optimum health. Excellent. Now, another question from somebody on uh, Twitter. Can one eat 80-10-10 and mostly local in Canada or New England? I think what she's asking is about cold climates. And I know I was in New England for um, a holiday. I was in Connecticut and I was looking for farmers markets and they are few and far between. Uh, certainly in the wintertime they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly in the winter. But even in the summer, actually, they were. It was surprising. I was, I was like, I was born and raised there, and we used to go and get um, Larson's Farm, and it wasn't available anymore. But I, I was like, where, where are the farmers' markets around here? Well, it's an interesting world. You know, we we try to solve a variety of problems, uh, and again, we pick the we pick the solution that seems to make sense to us. Uh, can we live up north and eat locally and follow 80-10-10? Well, actually, yes, you can. 80-10-10 is a caloronutrient ratio. It's, it talks about how much carbohydrate compared to how much protein to how much fat. We're recommending that an absolute minimum of calories from carbohydrates be 80% and that the maximum from protein and fat be 10% each. Uh, so we're looking for over 80 and under 10. But that was a mouthful of a title to call it the over 80, under 10, 10. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, so, and so it's 80, 10, 10. Uh, and that is the target line that a wide variety of health authorities have used those exact same numbers when describing what is ideal for human consumption and human health. The 80-10-10 raw program and the 80-10-10 vegan program, I believe the 80-10-10 raw vegan program, is the ideal version of of 80-10-10 in terms of human health. And so we talk about 80-10-10 RV, raw vegan, uh, and certainly that's what we're talking about here today. Is it possible to stay raw vegan while eating locally grown foods in the winter up north? No, I don't think so. I think you'd starve. I honestly think you'd starve. However, I would wonder why anyone would want to. I understand there's some environmental um, issues that you might say, oh, well, it's better to eat locally grown because environmentally the food didn't have to travel so far. And that's really good. And and yet we we understand that if you had a polar bear no matter where you took that polar bear to live, you would feed it polar bear food. 
And if you had a guppy, no matter where you took that guppy, you would feed it guppy food. And to think that we should eat the food wherever it comes from, if we happen to be in that area, is mis- misnomer because we're actually designed to eat food that grows within about 1,000 to 1,500 miles of the equator. Outside of that range, we've really actually stretched the boundaries of what is people food. People can't really survive in nature further than about 1,000 and in some places as much as 1,500 miles north of the equator. After that, we have to create our own little mini tropical environment out of clothing, bedding, and heat, heating our cars, heating our homes. Uh, We have to create our own little mini tropical environment in order to remain comfortable, in order to remain healthy. And to think that our food is supposed to come from anywhere other than the tropical environment for which we are designed is a miscalculation. It's a misunderstanding. And so I don't have any qualms about taking care of my personal health environment by eating foods that come from somewhere in the vicinity of the equator over foods that grow in Canada, for instance. If I was on foot, naked, I would never, ever get to Canada. I might walk north for a while. (laughs) But long before it got cold, I would have turned around and started heading south again. I never would have got to Canada. (laughs) Well, some of us didn't have a choice. I was born in Connecticut. No, no, I I spend a lot of my year in England and... and, and, uh, That's right, you do. And I certainly have done 80-10-10 in Utah and Idaho... Uh, throughout the winter, and and it can be done. It's not a problem. I, I mean, I've, I've got people in Fairbanks, Alaska, and people in Maine following 80-10-10 throughout the year, but they're not doing it on a diet that is specifically and only locally grown produce from Fairbanks, Alaska. It's just not happening that way. A better solution would be to move south, but short of that, move the food north. I have no problem with eating the food for which we are designed. And it's funny because even in macrobiotics, they talk about eating locally grown food and 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 then most of the food that they eat is rice and it wasn't grown locally. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> okay, uh, I've got a question for you. Do you drink a lot of water? If so, what kind and how often? I rarely drink any water. Um, I drink if I'm thirsty. And that has some, to some degree, is affected by my choice in terms of time of day for being active. If I'm active in the midday uh, and it's hot, you know, I will drink a bit. But I, I find that most of my water needs are met through my food, and even more so, I'm not eating foods that result in thirst. I'm not eating dehydrated foods. I'm not eating salted foods. I'm not eating foods that are. Um, making me thirsty. And so typically I find water to be a a hugely overrated issue because most of the time you don't have to drink any. If you were drinking a gallon a day, it would really matter what kind of water you drink. And in in that case, I, I recommend distilled water as the purest, cleanest water you can drink, reverse osmosis being really good water 
the water that is called condensated water, and there are various machines available that, that create condensated water like that that comes off of an air conditioner but done intentionally to create the water, uh, or that which forms on the outside of a cold glass of water on a hot day. Uh, condensated water is very pure, very clean water. But in reality, if you're only drinking a few swallows of water per month, it just doesn't matter very much what kind of water you drink, although I would never, if I had the option, I would never drink tap water. Uh, that's just that's just a cocktail of far too many chemicals. Now, have you heard about the latest thing with the alkaline ionized, I can't even say, alkaline ionized water? Sure, I've looked into all the different spins that are put on water, and the reality is, is that if you're not causing a problem, you don't need to provide the solution. The food I eat is extremely alkalizing. All the fruits and all the vegetables are alkalizing in their nature, and I have no reason to have to supply highly alkaline water, nor do I have any reason to think that it's better for me. But in reality, as I say, I'm not drinking water, nor do I need it. I stay extremely well hydrated without consuming outside water. Okay, we're going to take one last break, and then we'll be back with Dr. Doug Graham on Rockin' Radio, his website, foodandsport.com. Hi, and welcome back to Rockin' Radio. My guest today is Dr. Doug Graham and his website, foodandsport.com. Speaking of websites, remember to uh, nominate Rockin' Radio as Best Raw Media on bestofraw.net. Scroll all the way down and go to Rockin' Radio and Best Raw Media. Now, I think there was something that you wanted to add about the magnesium thing that had been brought up earlier. Well, I believe you mentioned something about magnesium and teeth and and yeah, that possibly was... that cacao was um, healing teeth because of its magnesium. Uh, and I'd like to just get the record as straight as possible on this issue. First of all, when you think of teeth, most people don't think of magnesium. Mm-mm. They think of calcium. Correct. So this is this is very much a roundabout approach to try to say, well, the reason your teeth heal so well when you eat cacao is because they're full of magnesium. I have heard this approach done before uh, in, the, in the reason to consume green food, because green food, whether that be broccoli or lettuce or other vegetable greens, greens have in them something known as chlorophyll. And at the center of every chlorophyll molecule, there is a little bit of magnesium. And often I've been told that because the chlorophyll molecule resembles red blood cells or hemoglobin so much that the only difference being that at the center of the hemoglobin there's iron, but at the center of the chlorophyll there's magnesium. And... So by consuming lots of chlorophyll, it's really good for your blood. And I, and I wonder, how does the magnesium convert itself over to iron? You know, 
know, if you were low in iron and somebody said, take magnesium, <laughs> yes, I would laugh too. And so, and so here we're being told, well, it appears your teeth don't have enough calcium. Take magnesium. But they're not saying take magnesium. They're saying take a food that contains magnesium, and they're promoting cacao as the food that contains magnesium when for the last 40 or 50 years in the raw food movement, in the health food movement, in the vegetarian and vegan movements, we've been telling people, you want to get more magnesium, eat more fruits and vegetables, especially greens. And so I find it, I find it funny that the diet that's highest in greens isn't being touted, A, as a great source of magnesium, when, but magnesium wasn't really the problem anyway. Calcium and magnesium are interrelated minerals. They appear in the body in a ratio to each other, and when consumed in isolated fashion, either too much calcium or too much magnesium, you actually throw off the balance of one to the other. And this is part of why the 80-10-10 diet uses a whole foods approach, because in whole foods we find that those ratios are most closely resembling those required in human nutrition. I had a little thought come through, run, just ran through my mind. <laughs> do, you, do you consume any of the quote-unquote superfoods that, I, I already know the answer to this. The answer is no, that's all packaged and stuff that everybody's, not everybody, but many people are touting right now is... Um, my food doesn't come in bottles, boxes, bags, or yeah. cans. It doesn't have ingredients, labels. Um, and and as, I'm, as I'm trying to explain, the thing that makes a food super, in my understanding, is the more closely its total nutrient content mimics human nutritional requirements. And so watermelon is super, mm -hmm. or a banana is super, or a mango, or a peach, or a strawberry, or a lettuce leaf, or a, things of this sort, a celery stalk. Uh, these things are super because their nutrient content comes closer to mimicking human nutritional needs than any other food. Let's pretend that nutrition was like buying a pair of boots because that's really what you want. You don't want too much of anything. That is invariably a problem. And in today's human nutrition, what we find, according to both medical doctors and health practitioners from alternative fields, all in agreement that over 95% of all human disorders are nutritionally related diseases or conditions of excess, not deficiency. And so the idea of getting more doesn't make sense when what we're suffering from are diseases of excess. What we're looking for is boots that aren't too big and boots that aren't too small. We're looking for what I used to call OJ nutrition. We want the glove that fits. We want not too much, not too little. 
Um, I've changed it now, you know, and I call it Goldilocks nutrition. But <laughs> okay, because, you know, um, it just it just wasn't appropriate internationally. Uh, but certainly in the states, people knew what I meant. You, you, and that's how it is with nutrition. You're not, we're not actually looking for more. We're looking for the correct amount. But we lose sight of that over and over and over again. We lose sight of that in our in our zeal for getting the best. We constantly want to equate it to the highest. In, in the case of this magnesium thing, though, it just doesn't... The numbers don't add up to support what is being said. And, and this is where it gets kind of funny, because when the numbers don't add up, what we... But we still just keep repeating what we heard. Oh, well, you know, got tooth problems, eat chocolate. I mean, I've had lots of people tell me they don't have enough energy, and so they drink a cup of coffee a day, and it balances them out, and everything is fine. And I go, the reason you need a cup of coffee or a drink of chocolate every single day is because you're not getting enough sleep. And if you simply got enough sleep, you wouldn't be relying on stimulants to get through the day. Well, that makes total sense. Now, speaking of... um getting through the day, how does nutrition relate to lifestyle? I know people are just going with raw food thinking that's the be-all, end-all to their problems, but I think there's more to it than that. People like to keep it simple. When we can, we like to keep it simple. Just give me the answer and I'll run with it rather than let me think about this. If we stop to think about it, and we listen to the yoga people who say that yoga is the answer to all our fitness problems, we listen to the runners who say that running is the answer to all our fitness problems, we listen to the weightlifters who say running is a waste of time and weightlifting is the answer to all of our fitness concerns, somebody can't be right in that mix. Meanwhile, the transcendental meditation people say, you know, if you just meditate, everything else will work out perfectly. Uh, the who I mean, who do we want to look at? The raw fooders say that raw food is the answer to all the problems. It isn't really quite that simple. Uh, at the at the risk of oversimplifying, we we want to find like the religion of raw food rather than let's think this through and come up with something that makes sense. We know that fitness is a requirement for health and that the people who take care of their fitness, who are active, must fuel themselves with greater quantities of food than people who are inactive. But we know that fitness is a requirement for health. Therefore, our consumption of calories is designed to be higher than the minimum. We're designed to be active, we're designed to eat, and in fact, if you wish to be fit... You have to eat well, and if you wish to eat well, you must be fit. The two are interrelated and interdependent. In order to be healthy, you must be fit and you must eat well. Health is sort of the marquee, if you will, and it's held up by a tremendous number of cables, mental attitude, emotional poise, rest and sleep, fresh air and sunshine, Nutrition, unfortunately, is an exceptionally soft science. Of all the various 
sciences, in fact, nutrition is in the group that is considered the softest of the soft, meaning that the fringes are very difficult to identify. It's not cut and dry. Sunshine is a nutrient, but it's not a food. Emotional poise affects your digestion. You could be in the middle of your favorite meal, but if you're having a big fight at the table, you could completely lose your appetite or not digest what you just ate. If you're not getting enough sleep, your digestion is going to be impaired. You end up with restless sleep or sleepless rest, and in both cases, nutrition is affected adversely. There are so many factors. Bus fumes, living in a city and breathing the, breathing the air in the city adversely affects your nutrition. Once again, a tremendous number of anti-nutrients are in the air. And so as much as we would like to say, hey, I just eat raw food and everything comes out fine, it's an ostrich with his head in the sand approach to nutrition and even more so a, a blind approach, a blind faith approach to health that does not lead where you're trying to go. Well, you just brought up something that really hit me because fighting at the table, um, I was always like underweight, really underweight. I was skinny, a skinny little kid, and that was an issue at our house was there was always an issue at the table about my eating, and I didn't want to eat dead animals at the time either. And uh, so these kind of things, now that you're saying, I can see how many of us have grown up having problems with our digestive system, and then we bring in raw food and wrong combinations of food or something. Can you see what I'm getting at where we get bloat or we have other issues we have issues around food, emotional, mental, emotional issues around food, and then we start eating raw food, and we think that's, that's it. We, kn- we know that's not it, even though we love to think that it's not it. We know that there is no tree called a pizza tree. Pizza isn't, doesn't <laughs> grow on trees, and yet we recreate pizza with raw foods. And I'm not saying this is good or bad or right or wrong, but it's certainly food for thought. When we have emotional issues, the solution to those is going to be emotional, not food. And whether we use whether we use junk food for comfort food or whether we make junk food out of raw food in order to use it for comfort food, if we're stuffing down our emotions with food, we haven't figured out the solution to the problem yet. And any time our memories are linked with emotions, we find that there's a problem. And the problem is that we can't be in the here and now. Because here and now is the only moment there is. The past is gone. And yet we have, most people have a tremendous number of emotions that are linked to memories. Now, I'm all in favor of keeping my memories. I want to remember everything that ever happened in my life. But I don't want to remember something and have it bring up an emotion because those emotions were then, not now. I want to have the emotion of now. And if we have stored emotions, those, are, those exhibit themselves as what in my, in my language we called hot buttons or pushed buttons. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in more current vernacular, I believe these are called charged issues. But anytime somebody can just say something to you and you fly off the handle, anytime you could have a little thing happen and you show a response that is disproportional to the stimuli, you bump your finger and the next thing you know you're slamming a bunch of drawers and kicking the dog and yelling at people and you go, oh man, that was, that was a, a response that's out of proportion. These are clues that you have emotions that are deep, deeply tied with memories and that you haven't ever let them go, and they adversely affect your health. We have a tremendous number of these that demonstrate around our food issues. A lot of people grew up in homes where dinner time wasn't the happiest, most peaceful time of the day. You know, Dad was coming home from working a job that he maybe didn't want to be at all day, but he had to because he had to provide for the family, and mom didn't get to see as much of dad as she wanted or, or who knows what the issues were everybody had issues everybody had needs we didn't understand nonviolent communication we didn't even understand neurolinguistics and and there was a tremendous amount heck we didn't even know about body language when i was growing up <laughs> no. you know? and and so our communication skills were were not all that good and a lot of times it ended up, you know, people ended up resorting to yelling and violence of a wide variety of kinds. Stress at the dinner table is common in a great many cultures. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it does. It, it, it's no surprise to me that, that we have a, a why. I'd say the, the number one reason that people come to me for coaching is because they have an unhappy relationship with food. They just don't have a healthy relationship with food. And it really doesn't matter whether it's raw food or cooked food. They don't have a good relationship with food because they don't have a good relationship with themselves. And learning to unload those emotional issues is, you know, is part of what I teach. And it's got to be if people are going to be successful in creating health. And that's why raw foods is part of what I teach because it's got to be if people are going to have a successful effort at creating health. But health is my field, and whether that's teaching someone about fitness because that's what they need to know, or whether it's the emotional issues or the food issues or the, or the mechanics of good food combining, uh, I have created a, a food combining chart that I believe is the easiest and most effective of the food combining charts, simply called the High Energy Diet Nutrition Guide. But... Um, you know, even if it's just the mechanics, for the sheer mechanics have created a wealth of educational materials. And, in fact, I package them as what is known as the Supreme Health Package, which I always keep on sale um, of some kind or another. We're having a, having a big sale right now. But uh, the, the, the generic educational materials simply teach the mechanics of how to go about doing things, how to apply them personally in a custom way to your life. Well, that, that comes down to individually getting good coaching. My recommendation, really, in terms of health, is that if you're happy with the coach that you're using, use that coach for all they're worth. If you're not happy, switch coaches. Yeah, or if you don't have one, get one. But don't try to get the best of both or three or five different worlds. I don't find that this ever works. I think it's like being a two- or three-headed dragon. You're going to split yourself apart in different directions. 
If you're trying to learn from someone and you're happy with the results you're getting, then keep running or going or learning with that person. If you're not, use a different person. But trying to say, well, this person says this and I use that, and then this person says this mm-hmm. and I said that, and I can't figure out how to kind of blend them all together. How do I get the best of this with the best of that? It's never going to work, and I, I just don't recommend that approach. And you know, for the people who are perfectly happy using a high-fat, raw approach, well, let them keep using it until they're not. Uh, my experience has been that the raw food movement is not growing, unfortunately. I mean, six or seven years ago, there were 10 raw food events during the course of the summer in America. This year, there were two. That's not a sign of growth. And we don't. there's more people coming in than ever before because of better communications, but there's more people leaving the raw food movement than ever before. And from what I have seen, the only section or the only segment of the raw food population that is showing unbridled, steady growth and reaching out into the mainstream in, a, in an ever-increasing way has been the 80-10-10 approach. That is working because people can sustain it, they feel good, they learn how to do it, and it just keeps getting better. Uh, doesn't leave them feel as if something's lacking, doesn't leave them looking for something else. And I'm watching uh, with, with pride and joy that uh, the 80-10-10 approach is helping people left, right, and center. For people who haven't looked into it, I suggest that they do. Uh, all of our products are money-back guaranteed, and there's virtually no risk in finding out about 80-10-10. All righty. Thank you, Dr. Graham, for being with us again. Uh, his it's website? My pleasure. Budensport.com. Um, go to my website, rockinradio.com. We'll have a link there. And then also, remember, letstalkraw.com, where you, the listener, will be asking questions of our guests. Uh, we've got a full lineup for January. And as I said, right now, Dr. Graham is scheduled for Saturday, t- February 21st. Go to letstalkraw.com or let's, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Rockin' Radio. Please feel free to go to rockinradio.com to purchase books and DVDs by all my guests to help keep this program on the air. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this program, please contact me at rockinradio at mac.com, M-A-C.com. My engineer is Bo Astrup. I'm Revel Revity saying, remember to revel in life and always play with your food. Bye for now.